You know, it's true. If you want to make God laugh, just tell him your plans. <laughs> but you have to be intentional with him without distractions in order for you even to tell him his plans. <laughs> Telling you this intimacy stuff, this is what's, this is what's missing in most Christian churches and lives. We show up to consume and we don't show up to be consumed by him. And what a God that that's what he wants. Imagine if he was God that said, hey, just do a few things and I'll be happy. That he's a God who said, I'm going to have relationship with my people. Every year, we have a word that God gives us as a church that we kind of try to rally around and and so we, you know, and, and, I'm, and I'm always like listening, you know, I don't chase the word, but from the beginning when we started this church, God began to drop words for the year. And sometimes they're an indicator of what's happening in the world and for us to just kind of rally around it and be conscious of it and aware of it. And a lot of times it's what God wants to do in our church and, and the direction that he wants to take and the season for our church because we are, we are all on different levels and different depths with our relationship with God and so um, God works corporately but he doesn't work corporately only you get it understand and and so for me whenever I have these words I I take these words for our church and we rally around it and just then they become it becomes like milestones for just how God sees things into the future and um and leads us and guides us and you know many conversations I have is like oh look oh look look at our word look at our word and so it's not superstitious or forcing something on there it's just something that God is doing in our midst and 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 I wait for the word from him every single year and sometimes he gives it to me in the beginning of the year sometimes during the summertime sometimes you know, in the fall, even in, in December. So I don't really know. And, and one year, I didn't even get it until like the very last day. And, and so anyways, um, to me, it's important because it just shows that God is not just like you guys do your thing, but God is rallying around us and is walking with us. And there's something so comforting knowing that, you know, it's not just a social club where you just, you know, show up and, and pay your dues and then go back and do what you're doing. But this whole just dynamic of rallying around one another and and knowing that God is among us working in us and leading us to do things to impact our city so all that to say I want to share the word and looks like that's the only thing that I'm going to be able to do today but I do want to share um, the word for this year um, but I want to back up to for you know two years back and say that so in 2020 God gave us the word for 2020 and that was, the word was risk risk last year God gave us the word and the word was break out and this year I feel like God is giving us the word fortify 
And this last year, as a church, we did break out. We did start and develop discipleship. We did start really reading through scripture together again. There's a lot of things that happened, transpired, that allowed us to be stretched. And we had a lot of things that we were doing internally um, that really reflected even like the heart of God that he really wanted us to to step outside of our comfort zones and to and to break out of our our shell and I know a lot of you have done so as well with discipleship with taking steps in your marriages in parenting and and getting close with God and and so it was really really neat to just see that this word that God has given just continue to like you know not just be a word for the sake of a word but then this year God is from what I'm getting from God for a church for this next season is for us to fortify that which is in your hand. It's so easy to look at other people and see what they have and judge them and envy them without realizing that we're neglecting to recognize what is in our hand and being focused on what is in our hand and asking God, what do you want to use that you have given me? Um, and fortify is one of those words that, that, you know, English is like my third language that I would never use in my life. And so um, even some people, when I share the word, they're like, I don't know if I can get behind it. I don't know what it means. Like, well, welcome to the club. Um, but but fortify is a, is a simple um, is a word that has significant meaning. Um, the word fortify means to make strong, as to resisting force. It means to impart strength or vigor to something. It means to reinforce. It goes even to meaning to impart physical strength or endurance to to give emotional moral or mental strength to encourage to enrich fortify also means to build to increase the effectiveness of it means to support to confirm to secure means to stand and I want to give a little practical side of fortifying and then some biblical principles about fortifying before we can fortify we need to identify what we have we need to take a look inside and identify what is it that I have and when you look and begin to see what you have what you possess from everything your gifts talents your resources um, your relationship your your material wealth your health all of everything that God has given you in this very moment that you have we need to identify that and then after we identify all that we have we then need to evaluate its condition some of you guys are married 
but the condition of your marriage is so rocky that it would be foolish for you to try to fortify that rocky relationship. So you have to evaluate it and see what's strong, what's weak, what's mature, what's childish. And also to evaluate what is needed and what is a distraction. Because after you evaluate its condition, then you need to eliminate the trash, the things that you are carrying that you're not designed to carry, the things, the baggage that someone has placed on you 10, 15, 20 years ago, and you're getting prayer, and you're getting motivated, but you're holding on to the trash, and it's taking up your energy, it's taking up your future. Because you never stop to evaluate that, I don't need to carry this. And once we begin to eliminate the trash, then we can bring to focus what remains. And then we can go to God and ask him, to fill what we lack. And then we fortify that. Some of our relationships are so broken that this word doesn't mean much. And you know who you are. I know who you are. Your kids know who you are. People know who you are, but a lot of times we are so blinded because we haven't stopped to evaluate the condition of all of our relationships, starting with the most important, is, and that is our relationship with God, right? We just assume that God loves us and he's gracious and graceful, which he is, and that's it. Not understanding that now that we're in his kingdom, everything that we do is going to reflect our relationship with him. By default, you cannot get away from it. And so we need to begin to evaluate what is around us. We need to begin to look at the things that we're carrying that we don't need to carry anymore because you don't want to fortify those things. You don't want to get a larger trash can. <laughs> no, take the trash out. See what you have. And then say, God, this is what is in my hand. And now you can focus on the, all the things that God has given you. And then we can begin to fortify it. Some of the things are weak things. And they need to be strengthened. And that's what fortify means. So you can then begin to identify. Once you know what you have and, and, and all those things, then you begin to say, okay, what is weak? Let me go to the weak areas of these things in my life and fortify those areas. Because those are the areas that Satan is going to come in and try to mess your life up. He uses the weak things in our life and doesn't focus on the strong things in our life.
So then we are able to fortify that which is in our hand. And the truth is that you have more than you think you do. Satan has lied to you, saying that if you release this garbage, you don't have nothing else. And he's piled it on so big that you don't see anything else except the trash. But you have more than you think you do, and there is more going on than you think is going on. Paul wrote the letter to, to Ephesus that can be split up into two sections and our structure for our church and what we're, you know, fortifying in our church is found in Ephesians, um, the gifting and the unity and, um, and the equipping part of our church. Um, but, and that's found in the, in the book of the letter of uh, the letter to Ephesians that Paul wrote called Ephesians, uh, Ephesians he wrote to Ephesus. Uh, but you can, you can divide that, that, that letter into two parts. Part one could be our position in Christ. And then part two could be our conduct. So part one, chapters one through three, it talks about who we are in Christ. It talks about that we are seated with him, that we have been adopted into his family, that we are sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, that we are made alive in him. And if we do not understand our position in Christ, we will be dysfunctional at best. So like it was said earlier, that we are not just trying to get God's love. We're not just trying to get victory. We have to position ourselves, not, not even position ourselves. We have to receive and believe how we are positioned. We have to believe that we are in Christ, Christ is in us, that from that position we ought to live our life. But we don't believe that. So we are working to attain the position that has already been given to us. And that is a distraction. That is trash. When we know that in him is life and we become alive in him that the dead things in our life begin to live when we know that we, uh, that, that we are in him and he's in us. And not just theologically know or read it and agree, but to actually shift our mindset to accept and live from that position. And when you step into that, things will begin to change almost instantly because your perspective is going to shift. You're not going to be focused on you and everything about you. You're going to realize that it's not about you, but you are not neglected either. And this is such a Christian-y thing to say, oh, you're in Christ. This is what we're talking about. When you get alone with Christ, he is going to reveal what this really means for you individually privately or you can just show up nod your head and say amen brother preach it and that's the end of it and that is so easy to do because that's what we've been doing 
we get so familiar with some of these truths that we don't realize and we don't catch how Satan distracts us. How he easily just comes in and says, uh, but that's part one of Ephesians. Part two, then it talks about, then now that you know that, you don't live to attain that. Now you live because you fully know and realize that. And as you realize your position, now you're going to start walking worthy of your calling. Meaning you're going to be walking aligned with what God has called you to. And then you read verses, chapters four through six, where it talks about you'll be walking in unity not in division. You'll be walking in holiness. You'll be walking in love, in light. You'll be walking in wisdom, in spirit. And it also says you'll be walking in relationship. And it breaks down different relational dynamics. And this is where we get to the scripture that I want to read and start the conversation this morning that is found in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. After Paul has laid all this stuff down and I would highly encourage you not to just go back and read through it and try to understand it and do a Bible study on it. No, I would ask you to say, God, reveal what this means to me in reality. Reveal it. Let God's revelation be poured into your heart so that you can not only understand it with your mind, but you can be actively walking from that place. And so Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 says this, Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. This is where we get our word. One of the meanings for the word fortify, be fortified by the Lord. Now we know that on this truth, we can trust to fortify our life. We're not going to build it on lies. We're not going to build it on people's opinions, on people's theologies, on our understanding of things. We're not going to build it on our experiences, on our previous church or pastoral things or whatever however what to, no we're going to build it on complete truth that Paul just laid out on this we can then begin to build and be strengthened and fortify but what's interesting is that saying this what is saying that you and I are not meant to be weak we're meant and designed to walk in strength we're meant and designed and created to walk boldly, to walk with confidence. But what tends to happen is that we miss the little detail where it says, be strengthened by the Lord. Another version says, be strengthened in the Lord. And what we tend to do, which is another slick thing that saints does, he basically says, look, be strong. And you're like, yes, I got to be strong, be strong, be strong. I receive it. I declare it over myself. I, I speak it over my life. Be strong, be strong. But we miss the little part that Satan likes to take away. And it's not to be strong in you, but to be strong in him. Changes everything. 
everything because it doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter how weak you are. It doesn't matter your status. You're not relying on your past. You're not relying on your parents. You're not relying on any condition or, or sicknesses or anything that you have. You're relying on the same thing that every Christian who's ever lived relies on. And it never dries out. So you are not meant for weakness. You're meant for strength. And I love how the Amplified says in James 4, 7, So submit to the authority of God resist the devil or stand firm be fortified against him be fortified that means that he's not trying to run you out and he will actually flee my translation is that he will actually give up because you fortified and once he knows that you're not fortified on your strength but in God's strength He's lost and he knows it. But if he can convince you to rely on your strength, on your energy, on your gifting, he will allow you to build that up and then he's going to come and pull the rug from out from under you. Then you're going to fall and tumble and be like, what? God, why? God, why? And God's like, ask yourself. You relied on your strength. You relied on your talents. A strength that comes not from you, but to you, for you, from Christ. That's the context of what we are fortifying. <laughs> and it's like awesome because you don't have to fortify in the vision of this church. Or in my preaching, or in the band, or in what you're serving. Those things will disappoint. We will fall short. Well, maybe not me, but most everybody else, they will fall short. And disappoint you but once you eliminate all these distractions once you identify the baggage that you're carrying you can really focus on the purity of what God is trying to fortify you and then you can have the freedom to fortify yourself in his in his strength now because God has set this up Satan ain't too happy. And so Satan's going to do everything in his power to come against that. The Bible calls it the schemes of the devil. So let me read this. I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 10 and read a little bit into what Paul is then kind of finalizing all of his letter. In conclusion, be strong in the Lord. Draw your strength from him and be empowered through your union with him and in the power of his boundless might. Verse 11, put on the full armor of God for his precepts are like the splendid armor of a heavily armed soldier so that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the schemes all the schemes and the strategies and the deceits of the devil for our struggle is not this is familiar right our struggle is not against flesh and blood your brother is not the problem your 
coworker is not the problem. Your employer is not the problem. Your kids are not the problem. Joe Biden is not your problem. Hillary ain't never been your problem. And Trump is definitely not your problem either for the rest of you. But it's so easily we put our focus on people and we get distracted thinking that the, that's the real battle, the political party. God's like, no, you're missing what he's trying to tell us. He's saying that we don't struggle against flesh and blood. Like, we don't live like we believe that. We live like, no, actually, Paul, you're wrong. I do struggle with flesh and blood. He is a name and the same last name as I do. <laughs> but we don't, we don't struggle against flesh and blood. And look at this. Contending only with the physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly or supernatural places. Verse 13, therefore put on the complete armor of God so that you will be able to successfully resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger. And having, I love this, and having done everything which he talks about later on, which I'm not going to get into right now, get into next week or two weeks from now. But when you've done everything that the crisis demands to stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious. That's Ephesians chapter 6 in the Amplified Version, verses 10 through 13. So I had to set this up and I'm just going to touch on this and then we'll actually dismiss because we're already out of time. But the thing that we don't grasp when we read verses like this, we don't fully believe or act or live like, like there are only two kingdoms. We do life like there is the kingdom of God and then there's the kingdom of Satan and then there's a lot of nice, good people in between. And so we give him a pass. Oh, you're not too religious. Oh, okay. He's so nice. Aren't they awesome? But the Bible is just so clear that if we get this, we're going to shift how we see everything in 2022. The Bible says that there are two kingdoms and both of these kingdoms are in conflict with one another. That means that they do not walk together. Not only that, they are actually opposed. They're not neutral to one another. They're not passive. They cannot be in the same room. They are always at war. And this is what Jesus says, if Satan casts out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand or be fortified? But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So there are two kingdoms that are at, at on opposite ends of one another. And every person falls into one of those two kingdoms. There's nobody who's on 
the neutral path in the middle. Your brother, your sister, you, you're not on a neutral, I'm just a little bit religious. No, either you are in Christ or you're in the evil one. Like, you see the severity of that? You are either in him or in the devil. Either the kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness. And I get it. Satan is not going to come to you and be like, oh, I'm the devil. I'm going to kill everything and steal everything and disrupt everything. No, he's like, hey, I'm your friend. Tell me about your life. Let me walk with you. Invite me into your space. Here, let me just do a little bit. He is so cunning that he will have you destroyed before you realize that you've lost everything. And so most people are fine because they don't believe that they are actually two kingdoms. And this is what goes, what I said in the beginning, evaluate. Where are you? Doesn't it scare you that you may not be in the kingdom of God? Does it scare you that there are so many people that Satan is abusing, manipulating, using, destroying, and here we are just saying, well, it's not touching me. I'm just going to make my money. I'm going to watch my game. I'm just going to shop Amazon. I'm just going to do my thing. We as Christians don't realize the extent of Satan's influence. And at the same time, we don't understand our authority over him. And when we don't understand his influence, it makes us indifferent. And when we don't understand our authority, then we become consumed by his ability to overtake us. And then we get those things of... There's a devil behind every rock, <laughs> right? The devil, the devil gives me, I got to pray, I got to pray, I got to be praying. We're just running in fear. And God's like, what are you doing? Why are you living like you're in his kingdom? If you're in my kingdom and I'm in you, let me remind you some scripture. Don't fear them. Don't fear him because the one in you is greater than the one in them. Like he's greater. What does that mean? Everything greater. He's better. He's stronger. He's wiser. He's more passionate, more loving. He's the opposite of everything on the other side. And so 1 John 5.19 says, we know that for a fact we are of God. And the whole world around us, watch this, lies in the power of the evil one. Opposing God and his precepts. Your friends, your coworkers who don't know Jesus are living in opposition to God because they believe the lie from the devil that they are fine and he's neutral. And they don't need the religious. They just can be a good person. Do you know how many church-going Christian people are saying, I'm going to go to heaven because I'm a pretty good person. I've, and they start naming the worst possible things that they have not done. So I asked them, so why don't you share some of the things that you have done? They don't like to share the things they have done because then you realize like, wow, I'm not that much of a good person. Your goodness is based on who you compare yourself to. 
And we always compare ourselves to Hitler. Imagine what that says about you, that that's your comparison. So this is some strong language that, that Paul writes. Everyone belongs either to us or to the world. Everyone is therefore either of God or in the evil one. There is no third category, John Stott wrote. So there are no neutral so-called middle grounds where people can squeeze in between the, the kingdoms. And I want to quote Sam Storms, and I'm going to be done here because um, I'm going to pick this up in a couple of weeks. Um, I love what Sam Storm says. He says that if one is not in Christ, one is in the power of the devil, even if there is no visible, sensible awareness of being in the devil's grip. Thus, not to serve God is to serve Satan, whether one is conscious of it or not. So, what a way to start 2022. It's a powerful way to start 2022 because this starts with us evaluating and realizing what's at stake. Not just from what Satan is doing, but how we are empowered, how we are, have authority because of Christ in us.